Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I'm your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. Join our mission and help change the conversation because we are all stronger together. Good Dog is on a mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them through education and advocacy. The Good Dog Pod provides dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. So our dog show community was sort of rocked recently. The announcement came down that the board of Eugene Kennel Club had voted to dissolve the club following its 2017 show in September. This was literally a visceral shock to the sort of collective dog show system, particularly for Pacific Northwest exhibitors. This club held its first point show in 1948. So for 69 years, generations, generations of fanciers have attended these shows. When my family started showing dogs in the early 80s, Eugene Kennel Club was part of the sort of infamous Calor circuit of shows, and they moved every couple days to a new location in a big circle, went from Northern California to Eastern Oregon, and then back over and down the I-5 corridor. My hometown, Roseburg, happened to be the end of what many at the time called the Death March, because it was a lot of moving (laughs) So just a side note, P.S., for folks that are newer exhibitors and have complained about the long, hard show weeks that we have, some of these major locations, you know, Florida in January or Houston in July, some of these shows where you're there forever. Keep in mind that back when sort of dinosaurs roamed the earth, (laughs) moving every day or two was actually pretty normal. And just think about setting up and breaking down every day maybe every other day if you're lucky, for a week, 10 days, yeah, easier to just stay in one place. The introduction of cluster shows and the large events in one place was basically designed for that reason, to make life easier for exhibitors. And certainly I think it's done that. I do wonder at some point if we've lost the opportunity to sort of serve the local communities and for the public outreach that was created when the dog show came to town sort of thing. But I think that's maybe a topic for another day. So I'm really not interested in dissecting the inner workings of any particular dog club. It's not my job. But I think everybody needs to hear this story. Because the fact is, as sad a result as this is, it's really not particularly shocking. The gut check here is that the average age of membership in many, if not actually most, all breed kennel clubs is well over 65 years. Now, I'm going to be 50 next year, and I am the baby, far and away the youngest active member in my all breed club. Chatting with folks in other clubs, you get the same conclusion across the board, across the country. People in the dog clubs are getting older, and dog shows don't just magically happen. You know, nobody's twitching their nose and making this all come together. Members of that hosting club are working hard, usually all year long, and they do it so that they can provide you, you and your friends and your competitors, with the opportunity 
to earn championship points, ranking points, big ribbons, bragging rights, whatever it is. And these folks are without exception volunteers. They handle exhibitor complaints. They manage personality conflicts in their group. They put in long hours at planning meetings and at the dog show for no better reason than to give back to the sport and to their local community. And as this news from Eugene proves, they don't actually have to do that. When this information came out about Eugene Kennel Club, I had a number of folks contact me looking for advice about joining a local club, how to go about it, you know, what could they do if they're new to the sport, how hard was it, which club should I join? And I heard from club members around the country that were begging for more active members because they too were feeling the pinch of not having enough people to do the work. So anyway, since we're not exactly (laughs) Match.com, I thought I'd put together a list of five tips for joining and succeeding in an all-breed club and five more for current club leadership with some ideas about how to attract new members, retain your existing members, and encourage more involvement from the people that you have already. Now, this is sort of aimed at all-breed kennel clubs. But these are really pretty common areas of conflict or concern, whether it be a specialty club, performance club, pretty much anywhere two or more people join together to try and accomplish something worthwhile. So joining an all-breed club. Why should I join? Well, you should join an all-breed kennel club because you enjoy showing dogs. And because the only way that happens is if people do the work. And we are rapidly running out of people to do the work. If you want to enjoy the benefits of other people's labor, you need to pay it forward with some labor of your own. And by the way, professional handler peeps, talking to you too. Truly, if you can't afford to miss one weekend a year, you might need to rethink your business plan. And a lot of times there's jobs that handlers can do for the club behind the scenes that don't make it so you have to miss the show. I did that for years. So something to think about. How do I go about joining an all-breed club? Well, think about the dog shows that you go to. Think about the folks that you've met at those shows. Is there a kennel club in your town? Don't know? Then you should Google it. They're there. Most of them have, at minimum, a social media, some kind of bare-bones website. Find a handling class or an obedience class, or find out the secretary's name for this local kennel club. Meet some of the members at the class or at the local dog show. Is there a club a bit further away, maybe, that hosts a show that you really like? So go join them and build a great event. Any club I've ever encountered will invite guests. Go to the membership meeting and meet people. Talk to people. Ask questions and offer up some of your enthusiasm or some of your confusion, whichever you have. Offer to bring cookies to the next meeting. Whatever it is, there's going to be an application process. It's generally pretty pro forma. I mean, I know there's clubs out there that are persnickety about who joins. But guess what? For each one of those, there's going to be 20 clubs that are desperate for a strong back, for a committed face, for a chance to share the labor. So what can I do? I hear that a lot. All Breed Club isn't just a dog show. A dog show isn't just a show chair or judges committee. All Breed Clubs need people 
to help organize speakers, come up with topics for their meetings. They need secretaries and treasurers and board members. They need a legislative liaison. They need a community PR person. They need somebody to run responsible dog owner days and parade participation and any chance to reach out to the public. They need somebody to unlock the building for handling class or obedience class or whatever it is. They need somebody to organize and restock the club trailer and drag it around places. There are literally dozens of jobs, big and small, that are often handled by a group of half a dozen people, if you're lucky. And if you show up and ask what you can do to help, trust me, you're going to get a job. Serve on a committee. Learn about a particular area and do the grunt work. Do the sweeping of the floors and the starting of the coffee pot. It's just like learning how to show dogs. You don't get to start at the top of the ladder. That's just the way it works. Dog shows need folks to be in charge of flowers and for Pete's sake, picking up the poop, grounds maintenance, catalog sales, announcements, ring stewards, judges' hospitality, trophies, parking, grooming. Okay, getting the idea? There's a lot that can be done that doesn't need special skills or special knowledge. So where is the best club for me to join? Well, if you're blessed with a variety of local options, you know, more power to you. Join more than one. Or visit with club members from each of the clubs and get a feel for the vibe. Every club has its own sort of personality, really. Choose the group of people that most closely meets your personality. Some clubs are pretty relaxed. Some are very formal. Some have a ton of fun. And some are just really intense. So pick what works best for you. Or take pity and find a club that desperately is shorthanded. And then you want to know, when I get there, what should I do? Well, I'll tell you what you should do. You should work. <laughs> you don't start the conversation with telling people this is how we need to change the world. The more you put in your time and fulfill commitments that you make, make friends with other members, the more reliable you are to earn respect and the opportunity to do more and learn more. And if you have an idea for a special project, offer it up but also offer up how you personally will do the work. Don't try and make more work for somebody else. And then do the work. There is nothing more frustrating than someone who bails on a project at the last minute and leaves everybody hanging. This is not a way to win friends and influence people. Okay, so on the flip side, club membership, recruitment, and retention. Club officers might ask, who do we let in? Really? <laughs> if you want my opinion, pretty much anybody with a dog. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Our future ability to own and show and breed dogs depends on our success right now on reaching John Q. Public with an inclusive, welcoming, uplifting message about the truly great gifts of purebred dogs. Being secretive and jaded and hiding behind closed doors may or may not protect you from the attention of animal rights extremists or whatever you're worried about, but it certainly isn't going to bring any more people into the world of purebred dog shows and events. So then you ask, how do we encourage participation from new members or from inactive members? My best suggestion, give people a job and let them do it. For Pete's sake, let them do it. Quit 
micromanaging everything. Quite obviously, you need to provide support, you need to provide resources, and possibly some gentle guidance. But if someone is doing the job, don't nickel and dime them to death. One absolutely guaranteed way to lose active club members is to be unpleasant to someone who's volunteering to do a job. So then you might ask, when is it time to pass the torch? I don't know, I talk to a lot of club people, and the healthiest clubs I talk to, they share their positions pretty regularly. They continually cross-train their members on different positions, just like a successful business would do. So if you're show chair one year, you're hospitality chair another year, and one year you get to take a break, and one year you ring steward, you share that workload so nobody gets buried under the mountain of what has to be done in a particular project. I get asked this, and I ask myself this sometimes, what are your remedies? What are the remedies or preventions for burnout? Getting burnt out at doing a volunteer job is pretty common occurrence. And I think a lot of the things that we just talked about are a great place to start. But I think we also need to remember as clubs, show appreciation to your most active members. A little gift, a token of gratitude, a simple standing ovation at the club meeting. Quit worrying that you aren't the one getting the recognition and focus the attention on other people. That's how you keep volunteers happy. So then the most common question, and the one that I honestly don't have a really great answer for, sorry, why can't we all just get along? Well, I don't know. Personality clashes, interpersonal competition, misunderstandings. Honestly, the list is as long as your arm. I've been a worker bee, I've been a national club president, and I've been everything in between. And there's always that one person. <laughs> there's always the, well, there was the time that so-and-so did such and such to whomsoever. Yeah. Best solution I've ever found is direct personal communication. In person is by far the best. If that is not physically possible, then on the telephone. Email, texts, social media, absolutely guaranteed to create a disaster if that's the only way that you have to communicate with members of your club. So say I'm sorry. Say thank you. Ask for a clarification if something bugs you before you take it the wrong way. It's all pretty much basic level stuff, guys. Why and how that so frequently gets lost in translation in dog clubs is simply beyond my ability to comprehend. We all have the same objective. Okay, I'm going to share my new favorite phrase. Working together to push the elephant up the mountain. How cool is that? It's a great image. And frankly, it's an even better goal. So there you go. If you want to learn more on different facets of putting on a successful dog event or building strong clubs, I highly recommend you follow up today's episode by listening to Pure Dog Talk, episode 32 with Seattle Kennel Club's Katie Campbell, episode 38 with the inimitable Betty Ann Stenmark of DelVal Kennel Club fame, and or episode 47 with Kim Meredith Cavana, the hostess with the mostess from the always popular Wolfstock. 
Links to these and more resources are in the show notes on the website. 